gentlemen, and welcome to the January 22nd, 2017 edition of Season 4 of The Court Report on the Nakam Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m., right here on the Nakam Siegel Network. Every week, we will take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know about it. You can friend me on Facebook. Send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wiseguy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. Thank you once again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade. And if you've won a championship within that time, you've already benefited from their amazing handiwork and craftsmanship. Championship season's coming up. Give them a call, 718-769-4111, for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a huge Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of our episodes of the Court Report going back to the very first season. Plus, you'll be able to send in comments for each one. Please keep the comments nice. Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. Hi there again, everyone. Welcome back to the Court Report. Yes, as I said, it is January 22nd, which means that the majority of you are still on uh, Yeshiva break. Hope everybody is enjoying their vacations. Thank you for tuning in to us and making us a part of your non-school plans. It's especially important to know that people are listening during vacation, making sure that they're keeping up to date on all things happening in the Yeshiva League, even when there are Yeshivas that aren't actually in session. Just a couple of public service announcements before we dive into today's show. Uh, as you know, in the tradition of the Nahum Siegel Network, Nahum has put together for you the Kosher Halftime Spectacular during halftime of the big game on February 5th. So once, they, once it hits the halftime mark, tune into the Nahum Siegel Network and you will be... Uh, you will be entertained by the tunes of Aryeh Kunzler. Aryeh is going to be recording the spectacular uh, this coming Saturday night in uh, Courtside Grill for those of you interested in coming to see. But for those of you who uh, want something a little more wholesome during halftime of the big game, tune in and uh, you'll get a rocking show. You know the the shows in the past have been extremely spectacular, and this one uh, this one looks to be the same. It will follow our February 5th edition of The Court Report, which, as we've done in the past years, actually, this will probably be... uh, We'll probably end up having to put our show an hour earlier on February 5th, so stay tuned for that, but it seems as if, like we did last year, our show on February 5th is going to be an hour earlier, probably from the 6 to 7 slot, so that it can fit comfortably into the halftime of the big game. Speaking of time changes, uh, with the playoffs coming up, as we did last year, we will probably end up switching to our Tuesday-Sunday format. We'll release that over the next couple of days once we take a look at the calendar, see how things are going to fall out. There are a couple of uh, big games coming up, and we want to make sure that a Sunday-to-Tuesday switch is going to uh, benefit 
all of you listeners out there with the games that are ahead. So again, over the next couple of weeks, probably going to be switching over to our Tuesday as the main and Sunday as the encore. But we will release that exact schedule once we get to uh, to that point. Um, today's show. So today's show isn't exactly going to turn out how I planned it. Um, over the last couple of days, really thought I'd be getting to a lot of the um, a lot of the winter break action. There were a couple of uh, really big games over the last week, uh, last two weeks actually. Had a lot in hockey, had a lot in in basketball, and really put together a show that I thought was going to uh, was going to highlight a lot of that. And then last night sort of came around. So last night I um, did an interview with Amir Gavrin the captain of the YU Max Roller Hockey Team. I know Amir Gavin for a very, very long time. I know a lot of his teammates for a very long time. It was supposed to be about a, uh, a 20 to 30 minute interview. And what, what was supposed to be 20 to 30 minutes turned into 45 minutes of a really great interview that I just really did not want to cut anything from. So in the end, I decided that, you know, people are still away on break. And... You know, we can always highlight a lot of what happened over, you know, once people come back next week. You know, ne- this coming week, there's only going to be one game on the books in its entirety. Uh, um, that's going to be a hockey game, a varsity hockey game between SAR and Westchester. So the truth is, not much is really going to change. So I think, you know what? Why not give this show to that interview? I think there's a lot of great information on it. I think there's a lot of funny stories. And it's a very intriguing tale. You know, we're talking about a team that, as of, I'd say, a year and a half ago, didn't exist. And you have this whole movement to put on this team. And it really shows the what the accomplishments of a couple of, uh, can't call them kids anymore. Although it's funny, because I know most of them since they were in 6th, 7th grade. And, you know, they'll always be kids to me like that. But talking about... Kids who had an idea, who had a, who had a, a, a want to remain competitive, a want to to get back into some sort of form that they had during high school and their elementary school years. They had an idea and they went ahead and they did it. You know, they they put they put it together. They there was something that wasn't there. You know, as I say in the interview, if you're a basketball player, you have, you know, you have you should have a basketball league. Then you know why you has a team. You can you can look around, try to make a, any of the other uh, Division One, Two, or Three basketball teams. But the option is there. You know there is a next step. And then while it's not really a next step for floor hockey per se, it's it's a next step that has been created for for hockey in general, for people that have played hockey, people that play roller hockey. It's it's a chance to to really go out there and and make your mark. And these kids have. Um, I'll get to uh, I'll get to it a little more in depth. But these I don't remember how many. I think it was maybe 16 or 17, 15. Uh, I I gotta go count the numbers on the rosters, and I'll do that for you while the interview is playing. But these guys have gone out and in a year and a half has turned that league on its ear. They won the championship last year. Um, they're, they're an extreme point this year where they can do the same. And it's, it's just fascinating to see. And some of the, some of the things that Amir and I talk about, um, 
you know, his regard for his teammates, uh, the, the league itself, and what they really had to do in order to get themselves into a competitive level for 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 a a highly competitive league. And the fact that they're going out there and, and rocking it is amazing. And it should be a testament to everyone about what hard work and what following your your gut, following your instincts, and really wanting to go out there and do something can really turn into. Um, I think that that's enough of a setup to really get you interested in this. It's 45 minutes of what I consider to be the best interview that I've done. These kids are amazing, and I'm extremely happy to give them the airtime that I really feel they deserve. You know, we're generally about high school here, but at some point you got to recognize something that's that's going on. We we've given we've given recognition to the to the YU basketball team uh, last year when they did what they did. We talked a little bit about the Rollock team last year, but I think that this interview is well deserved. And in truth, I think maybe their attention is a little is a little you know your attention is a little deserved. They got a couple of games coming up. Hopefully, this will spur some people to come out and show up. Um, I'm going to be at their game. Uh, their games next week, and I say games, you'll see what I mean by games when you, you know, when you listen to the interview, but I'm going to be at their games next week, uh, the, the, um, the address, I'll give you the address uh, on the interview, and I'll give the address after the interview again, but I'm hoping to see some people there, hopefully people will come out, it's a very local game next week, and, uh, I think we should cheer on our boys, uh, without further ado, though, here is the interview with Amir Gavran, captain and senior at Yeshiva University, captain of the YU Max Roller Hockey Team. So sit back and enjoy. Joining me on the phone right now, representing the YU Roller Hockey Maccabees, is Amir Gavran. Amir is a senior at Yeshiva University and has just wrapped up his winter break and will be heading back to school for his final semester. Thank you for joining us, Amir. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Amir, coming back to school also means the return of the most intriguing story in Jewish sports these days, uh, the Yeshiva University Roller Hockey Maccabees. The Maccabees returned for the second half of their season in the Eastern Collegiate Roller Hockey Association. Last year during their first season, YU finished 11-0-1 during the regular season on their way to an impressive Division IV championship. Currently, they are 9-1 and go into the spring half of the 2016-17 season in first place in Division II. So, in a year and a half, you boys have already turned the league on its ear. First of all, how did this whole thing get started? You know, when you talk about college athletics, roller hockey really isn't the first thing that pops to mind, is it? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, it's uh, actually one of those kind of things that kind of um, came out of nowhere. It kind of just surprised us all, even even, uh, even myself. Uh, I'm pretty surprised that it's where it's at now. Um, and, you know, the whole journey itself has been pretty crazy. Um, basically, the way it started was I had just finished two years uh, studying in Yeshiva in Israel, as uh, a bunch of my friends did, and, you know, prior teammates in DRS, or whether it was Camp David, or, you know, however the avenues of floor hockey goes, all those guys, we just all basically come back from our time in Yeshiva. And uh, I came to YU, and I was, you know, just to put it simply, I was bored. Uh, you know, I didn't feel like I was competing, you know, obviously not the level I was in high school. Um, you know, I didn't really have that, you know, outlet, and I still had the competitive fire, so to speak. Um, so, you know, I was looking at things to do, and I was on the cross-country team for a little bit in YU, and, you know, it was, it was exciting, it was fun, but 
it didn't have that same, I guess, like air and feeling that, you know, competitive hockey has. So, you know, I was kind of at a loss. And, you know, I dreamed up this big idea with a friend of mine, Ari Drazen, that we'd start this ice hockey team at YU. You know, we'd sitting around our dorm. I was thinking, why not? Why don't we have an ice hockey team? We have a basketball team, a baseball team, on ice hockey. So, you know, we looked into it, and the cost alone for, you know, something like practice was, like, astronomical. And, and the closest, you know, game that we would have if why you had a team was in, like, Maine. So, you know, it was just totally not feasible. And I remember, um, you know, I was, you know, I think I was, I was, you know, sending Shabbos in five towns or something, and, um, you know, I bumped into an old friend of mine that went to Hastert. He played, he was the captain of the Hastert team, Eric Lushitz. Um, You know, we had become good friends over the years. We were kind of rivals on the court, but, you know, friends off of it. And, you know, he mentioned to me that he was playing for Baruch's role hockey team. I didn't know what that meant, so we started talking about it. And he basically told me that there's this, you know, super interested and advanced and, you know, serious and really high-level uh, college roller hockey, you know, league, and it's like a subsidiary of the NCAA, it's like club level, and all the major schools have teams, and he, you know, tried out and made Baruch's team, and they were playing Division Two, and they were like, you know, relatively competitive, so he said, he's like, listen, like, you know, we played hockey instead of Eric and I, and he said, why don't you try to make a team for YU, you know, there's a lot of good hockey players, so why not give it a shot, so, um... I ended up going to the athletic director and, you know, pitching him the idea. And I said, you know, Baruch has a team. There's a Jewish kid on the team, Shomar Shabbos. So, like, I, I, I guess we could work it out with the league. Why not? You know, would you be interested? Um, and the athletic director said, yeah, I mean, we'd love to. But, you know, I'll be honest, we have no money to give you. And, you know, we don't have the resources or means right now to, you know, really look into it. So, I guess it just can't happen. So, I kind of took that and I was like, you know what? You know, maybe he's right, but... Why not? Let's just see. So I emailed the league, um, and I started talking to them. And, you know, they said, no, like, you know, it's really hard for us to work games that aren't, you know, shots, because every game we have is basically Friday night, Saturday day. So, you know, I kind of fought back and forth with them, and I kind of, you know, tried to persuade them and this and that. And, you know, eventually we got be okay from the league that we would play all of our games on Sundays. We'll get into that a little. We'll get into we'll get into your schedule a little bit more because there's a lot to discuss about that, especially as as it relates to how you guys go through such a grueling a grueling uh, setup. But so this so this all this all stemmed from sort of like a lack of a next level. You know, basketball has there's basketball in Yeshiva League, it's basketball at YU, but there's really nothing on the next step in terms of hockey. So this was your next step, essentially. Oh, yeah, for sure, 100%. I mean, I think that was, that was, um, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily the goal at the time of the origination of it, like when we, you know, made the team. You know, I don't know if we were, like, you know, saying, like, let's let's do it so that there is a next step. I think we were doing it at first just to kind of, like, you know, quell that, that fire within us. But 100%, yeah, at now, for sure. I mean, you know, all of our players... Um, for the most part, except for with the exception of the two Canadians on the team, are all, you know, previously, you know, extremely high level, you know, Yeshiva four hockey players, every single one. You know, we have, sitting on the team, we might have like five or six captains from various schools. So, we'll get into the team a little more in itself later on as well. How did the YU community react to the creation of this team? Um, so, you know, the truth is, um, at first, you know, because we had to do everything by ourselves. Um, you know, 
still do, for the most part. Right now, just with our recent success in Division Two, we've kind of been in the works to, you know, incorporate, you know, the faculty and the actual infrastructure of YU into the team in order that it will continue to run. And more importantly, I guess, for the school, that the school can use this as a very, you know, viable avenue to help recruit kids and make life on campus more exciting. But the truth is, in the beginning, um, not only were we... Um, I, I wouldn't say shunned, but we were kind of like almost why use very little secret. I mean, you know, we were winning and we were beating these teams such as, you know, Cornell and schools like that. And, and, you know, I don't think the school really wanted us to succeed so much in the beginning just because it kind of like looked weird. We had a bunch of kids that were running their own team and they were beating these huge schools like Cornell and, you know, teams like that. And it, it didn't really get such a positive reaction at first. You know, but I think as our success mounted, we started warming up to the school in particular, and you know, they uh, you know started to embrace us. And even now, we're still in the works to try to find that medium between you know being accepted and embraced, and you know having everybody on board. So you go through the entire process, setting everything up, getting the school to sort of be a little on your side. You get a coach, you pick a team. What was that sort of like, especially as kids trying to do that? Was there a tryout? How, how did that work? Yeah, um, you know, first of all, I mean, it kind of makes you realize that, you know, how lucky you are when you're in high school that all of these, you know, schools just do everything for you. You know, uh, you know we had to, um, like you said, pick a coach, make a team. Our first tryout was in the MK gym. So for anybody that's played there, you know, it's like the size of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So, and we had like, I think there were like between like 45 and 55 kids that came to try out. Um, and, you know, we really didn't have such a means to do it. Um, our coach, who's calling our coach, you know, we kind of found him just through mutual friends. And we know he happens to be, you know, a great hockey player and has a really good hockey mind. Um, so putting that all together was kind of like, just like everything else, like, you know, kind of on the fly. So it was, it was definitely difficult, but, you know, thank God it kind of all just fell together, and it was uh, almost perfect. So now you talked about your league a bit. You get into the ECRHA. So now explain a bit about the league itself, its setup, how teams are placed, what's everybody fighting for. Just give a little bit of information about what the league itself looks like. Sure. Okay, so it's basically the, the, um, the, the body itself is, NCRHA, which is the National College Roller Hockey Association. From there, I think there's five or six divisions ranging from East Coast to West Coast. So, you know, there's the East Coast, the Southeast Conference, the Mountain West is one of them, the West Coast, you know, the Sun Coast, whatever. And within those five or six divisions, there are three levels of play, one, two, and divisions one, two, and three. The East Coast, it happens to be, has a fourth division because there are so many, um, East Coast teams that have competitive um, colleges trying to get into the league. So from there, um, you know, obviously the divisions are based upon, um, you know, level of play. Um, and you it's made up exactly like NCAA basketball, the simplest way to kind of picture it. And you have your regular season, so it's, you know, in Division two, it's 18 games. Um, and then at the end of the regular season, it, you have your regional tournament. So ours, which if you can imagine, is the Big East tournament. So, you know, our Eastern Conference Regional is like the equivalent of the Easter, the Big East tournament. And then if you win, you get an automatic qualifying bid to the national tournament, which this year is in Fort Myers. Last year was in, um, trying to think somewhere, like 
one of the Dakotas or Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Every year it's different. It moves from place to place. And if you win your regional tournament, you get an automatic bid. And then the rest of the teams, after those you know five or six teams that have their automatic bids, get voted in on what's called Selection Monday, which is by a selection committee, and they get voted in to the tournament. And you know you're ultimately ultimately trying to play for the national tournament, you know the national championship, and you know be the best in the country in their division. So you get into this league. We're talking last year now, when it starts, very beginning. What are you expecting out of the competition that you're going to face? Uh, you know, honestly, it was so up in the air that, you know, we had no idea. We, our first game was, you know, somewhere, I'm trying, our, war, our first game was in Warwick, Rhode Island. So it was like a four-hour drive. It was like snowy and rainy, but we were playing our first game was against the school by Niagara Falls, Niagara University. And, like, you know, we had no idea. Like, we figured that, you know, either... You know, we went online and we watched old games that are on YouTube and they're on the league website. You know, some of the guys looked really, really good and some of the guys like looked like we could skate with them and, you know, we had no idea. And we kind of, you know, didn't know what to expect. And I remember right the first game, right at the puck drop, um, you know, a guy kind of took the puck, I'm trying to remember his name. He was very good. Maybe it'll come to me later. He, he took the puck right down the left wing on me and, like, you know, I consider myself this big shot, you know, shut down the fence right on me, you know, turns the inside out and then just rips an absolute rocket from his backhand of all places and just goes bar down for the first goal like 10 seconds in. We kind of all looked at each other like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then we actually ended up winning the game, I think, 21-3. to Looks on here. I'm looking at the website itself. It says the score was 23-5. to 23-5, Guy's name... I'm looking at it right now. The guy's name is Andrew Parrish. Forty forty seconds into the fir- forty seconds into the first period. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was definitely a shock to the system. Uh, I think you know we were kind of all, you know, I wouldn't say nervous, but just like kind of had to collect ourselves. So that first goal was a real shock to the system. But I think we, we clearly calmed down after that. But this was like this was a team Niagara. The year before, it had played Division Two. You go out and you drop twenty three goals on them. You played two other games that day. Again, something we'll get into a few minutes. Outscored the other two teams by a combined score of seventeen to one. After that, you guys look around at each other and go like, "Whoa, this could really be the start of something." Yeah, I mean, I remember you know at the end of that day, sitting in the locker room, I was sitting with uh, with Jesse Gordon, um, a guy that I played with in. Uh, in uh, high school at DRS, and I just remember thinking, like, you know, maybe we got a shot at this, you know, I think at, at first we were kind of like, hey, this is going to be fun, we got these long road trips, and we're staying overnight at places, and we're going to play hockey and whatever, we got some nice new sweaters, but after that, we kind of looked at each other like, maybe this could work, yeah. So your very next meet, though, you go out and you experience your first loss, an overtime loss to Shippensburg, losing on the power play of all, of all plays. What did you guys learn from that loss? Yeah, I mean, I remember that one like it was yesterday. It's funny. I kind of remember the losses just as much as the wins, I guess. But, um, you know, uh, we kind of had a little bit of uh, hype before the game because we were playing against Chippensburg, which is a you know tiny little school out in Pennsylvania. And they had this one guy whose name is Bobby Neely. He was, like, the top scorer in the division. You know, he – I've never seen a guy like this before. He was, like, you know, six foot three, six four. He must have been, like, 230 pounds. But the guy, like, flew. 
and we had never experienced something like that before, I think, at really any level. And, you know, he kind of, he himself, like, kind of just bullied us a little bit. I remember, you know, he was throwing his body around. You know, he absolutely crushed one of our defensemen, Mike Fruchter, like, throw, like knocked him out of the game early. And, and Mike's, um, Mike's a like tough kid. Mike's always been a yeah, tough kid. No, yeah, when he was, he's a tough guy. He's, he's a tough guy for sure. And, um, you know, Mike got it back, though. I think, uh, you know, when we played them again, I think Mike, you know, gave him a nice little shot. You know, maybe a little, a little bit of retribution. A little yeah, when we saw him again. But, uh, you know, we just were, I don't think we were ready for, for him. And he ended up scoring, I think, eventually in, in, in overtime uh, on, on me. So I think it was good for us, really, in the long run. Because, um, you know, we had just, you know, been steamrolling guys. And I think having, you know, a loss, and especially a loss to, you know, to someone that was, like, kind of overpowering us, which was kind of our MO a little bit. You know, we like to play that, you know, tough style. You know, we weren't doing anything too fancy. To have a guy come in there and kind of just throw us around a little bit, I think was really good for our, not only mentality, but just our preparation as a whole going into the game. So I think it was actually good in the long run, truthfully. Well, apparently it would work because the team would not lose a game the rest of the year, cleaning house all the way to the championship, including an 8-1 win over that Shippensburg team, as you mentioned, in the quarterfinals. Finally, a 5-1 win over Millersville in the championship. So what was that like, knowing that only four months earlier the team didn't even exist? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really cool. Uh, you know, i got to say, uh, it was really something else. They had, you know, for the regionals and the nationals, they live broadcast every game with um, a duo of announcers for every single game. So I remember you know, kind of going back and, you know, hearing what they were saying, and I just, you know, I'll be honest, I, I was kind of, you know, just to say it bluntly, like swelling with pride, you know, to kind of hear these two, you know, Cedar Rapids, Iowa natives, I mean, um, sorry, these Feasterville, Pennsylvania natives, the announcers kind of talking about how, you know, Yeshiva has just, you know, dominated all of these schools, and, you know, it was just something, you know, so cool to hear. I mean, it was just, you know, it was cool to hear them say how, you know, a guy like Artie Drazen undresses a defenseman or, you know, Jesse Gordon, you know, breaks free and, you know, puts one in the back of the net, stuff like that. It was, it was just cool to hear. You know, you don't really expect it to happen. And you kind of have this, you know, whether it's true or not, you kind of have, have this little bit of, like, a, you know, complex as a Jew. And you're just like, I don't know, who knows if I can really skate with, you know, these non-Jewish kids from these big schools. And it was, it was cool. It was awesome to just, you know, hear these guys praise Yeshiva and praise, you know, the program, even though it was being run by a bunch of clowns, but, you know, it, it was awesome. Well, not only that, you guys also walked away with several awards. Uh, Yosef Robin, former TABC goaltender, winning goalie of the year for the division. Uh, really, really bringing some pride to, to YU uh, in addition to that championship. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was cool. I think we won goalie of the year, playoff MVP, um, student athlete of the year. I think that one was really cool for YU in particular. Evan Janikowski won that. And Avi Margulies, a former teammate I'm from DRS, um, winning rookie of the year was also just, you know, really cool. And, you know, what's interesting about that, the best part about it was that, you know, at the um, regional sh- uh, tournament, they have a big banquet. Was, um, was that, was that, was that, was that was, did, did you say, I think you might have said Evan, did you mean Daniel Janikowski? Daniel Janikowski, sorry about that. Very oh, good. Man, Dan's going to kill me if he ever hears that. Daniel Janikowski. Um, but, so what was really cool about it is that they, um, they have the award ceremony at this big bank where everyone goes to on Friday night. Um, so we obviously didn't attend. So, you know, they accepted the, the awards on our behalf. And it was, you know, it was it was cool what they were explaining to us that, 
RPG. And then again, you know, it was just like, that was very cool for us. I think that was, you know, something that, you know, I know I appreciate very, very strongly. And I think, you know, a lot of the guys get a lot of pride from that as well. Oh, it's a real Kiddush Hashem there. You know, you guys are sticking to your beliefs and they're, they're recognizing it. The league that didn't have you uh, a couple of months early, and we'll get into what they've done to sort of help you out as well along that way. But the entire ride, I think that's really a microcosm of it, of the, uh, the whole Kiddush Hashem feature that, that you guys have been putting out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the part that we appreciate the most. So fast forward to this year. You guys are largely still the same team, having only lost four players. Tell us a little bit about the team itself this year. Um, you know, the team this year uh, is, uh, you know, it's something that you know I'm really proud to be a part of. Uh, I think from you know top to bottom, we have a lot of really strong players. I think that we play a similar style as we did last year, but I think overall it's much more refined and a little more savvy. Um, well, having a, having a year of experience will do that for you. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, the experience was, you know, one of the best things. We are playing at a much, much higher level of competition, being in Division 2. Um, and I just think that, you know, right now, you know, we have two unbelievable goalies in Jorge Robin and Jorge Jorofowitz. And, you know, from the back end, just forward, we're just, you know, so strong. I think that, you know, the majority of our game and our success um, is accredited to, you know, just I, I can't tell you as a defenseman how easy my job is because, you know, guys like Jesse Orr and Ari Trace and Aton Bardash, you know, Donnie Fuchs are just skating back so hard. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to, you know, shut down these really elite players and elite scorers when you have guys backpacking like animals, you know. So I think that, you know, that's really our strong suit that, you know, we play a very dogged style, we play very hard, um, we play gritty. And, you know, we just get timely goals. You know, we've had a lot of close games this year. Um, we've won, you know, some games, you know, really like in the last minute. And we just have guys step up. And I think that there's a certain, um, I don't even know if it's confidence. I think it's more just belief in each other that, you know, everybody is out there giving everything they got. You know, so when you step on, you know, in the rink and you, you know, you lace up, you know, it's easy to go out there and play for the guy next to you when you know he's giving everything he's got. You know, it's, it's very reciprocal. So I think that's really the strong suit of our team. Just on that, I know that you, you've you seen the article for uh, that, that came out in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago. In fact, you were you were mentioned in it, so you spoke to Corey Kilgannon. I spoke with uh, with Corey a couple of days after the article came out, and he actually mentioned you guys because he thinks you guys are an interesting piece. And he asked me whether or not, or, or I should say, why I thought you guys were doing as well as you do, and whether or not I thought you guys were for real. And I thought about it for a second, and I said, you know, I think I I'd like to think that they're more for real than any other team that plays there. And the reason why I, the reason that I gave him was if you look at the other rosters on you know for these teams, you look it's like any other college where you have guys from all over the place. You got a guy from New York, a guy from you know a guy from Massachusetts, a guy from from uh, Maine, guys all around. For you guys. You guys are from the same area. You guys have been playing together, majority of you, or against each other, or in your backyards for the better part of the last 
10 to 15 to even further, you know, all these years, you guys know each other. You guys know how each other play. There's a sense of chemistry that you can't get from a team that's just thrown together with players from around the country, no matter how good they are. And I sort of felt that 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 goes much further than just the the individual sum of its parts, talent-wise. We're talking elementary school now. Things have, things have sort of changed there now. I, I hear they have a, I hear they have a couple of new coaches and a couple of players that are sort of turning things around there. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean that's that's I, I, can't, I can't say that I had any part in that. You know, setting the uh, setting the tone for I guess the, uh, the school. But back when I was there, we didn't we didn't win very much. But you know, it's it's definitely a it's a trip. Honestly, just to, you know, just to be honest, to you know be sitting in a locker room. You know, with guys that I've been playing with or against for the better part of a decade now, you know, lacing up to play, you know, schools like Boston University, Drexel, Penn State, um, it's an absolute trip, and I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, if you look at the makeup of the team, I think we're a little DRS heavy, truthfully, and, you know, that works well for myself, you know. I've been playing with, you know, these guys forever, so, you know, the chemistry, we kind of, you know, hit the ground running, so... You know, it's really a special experience, and I think 100% you're right. It definitely works to our advantage. So, as you said, most of these guys, 90% or so, gone through the Yeshiva League system. Bunch of Jewish boys, you know, join a league, and everything looks perfect. Not exactly, though. I mentioned You mentioned before about the schedule, about how you play three games in a day, which is not normal. Please explain to everyone what you need to go through schedule-wise to play. Um, normally are, you know, much more spread out uh, for, obviously, non-Shabbos-observant teams. They, they normally get there, and they'll usually play one or two games, you know, that's usually spread out over Friday night, Saturday day, and Sunday. So they'll, you know, have their, you know, road trip up with their buses provided by their schools, and their transportation provided by their schools, and meals, and hotels, and everything, you know, all set up for them. And they'll just drive up on Friday morning, stay over the weekend at a hotel, play one, two games, you know, maybe if they're really packed, they'll play three games, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and that's it. We, on the other hand, can't play any games Friday night or Saturday day. So, you know, in response to that, we um, tried getting Saturday night games, but unfortunately, scheduling-wise, it couldn't work, so this year, we've been playing all of our games on Sunday, so that ends up being that not only between, you know, catching up for those Friday and Saturday games, we've also had to miss... Um, you know, weekends, whatever, so we've played all our games on Sunday. So we'll normally play three games a Sunday, and we've even played four games a Sunday before. Um, And it 
it's hard. I won't lie. You know, by the, the and and these games, they're so you know intense and they're so physical, especially now in Division Two, um, where these guys really can skate and really throw their bodies around. You know, you're you're physically and more importantly, just mentally exhausted by the end of you know game two and three. So when you're playing four, you know you're really yes, and it takes a lot of you know to kind of pull that out, but. You know, we'll start games sometimes as early as 8 o'clock in the morning, and we'll play through 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, I think that in the long run, I really do actually think it's, it's good for us because, you know, it kind of, it's it's trial by fire, you know. You have to, you know, reach all the way to the bottom of the barrel to, you know, make sure that you give your your best. And then when you go forward, you know, when you play in the you know, regional tournament, like we did last year and hopefully this year as well and going forward to nationals, you know, it kind of gives you, you know, that experience of what's fall back on of like adversity. You know, you, you you get somewhere and you go down two goals. It's like, well, you know, I've played in harder conditions before. Let me make sure that, you know, you know, this isn't such a big, you know, task. I can stay mentally sharp. I can stay physically sharp. Um, you know, yeah, things are getting a little tough. You know, you're playing in the semifinal game and, you know, you blow a lead and it's tied with a minute to go. Yeah, you know, I've played... You know, at seven in the morning, you know, sun up against you know teams, and you know that was crazy. This I can you know get my marbles together, and I can you know push out you know a couple more good shifts. So I think it helps us in the long run. But sometimes it's pretty grueling, yeah. Well, nobody can ever question Yeshiva University's conditioning program. <laughs> yeah, they cannot. So after last year's success, league moved you up to Division Two. Just give a little example of what that transition's been like. Um. Well, on the one hand, you know, just from the logistical perspective, um, you know, it's more money. The lead fees are more money. Um, so the fundraising had to be a little more intensive. Um, and really the, the, you know, the other kind of logistical aspects of it are, you know, in Division Four, all you really need is, you know, jerseys to work. You know, but Division Two, you need to have matching roller hockey pants. You need to have multiple jerseys, different colorways, home and away stuff like that. And then past that, the really only difference is um, just the level of play is just exponentially higher. I mean, you know, you go from playing good players, you know, I could name you, you know, whether it's Parrish or Bobby Neely or Andrew Corchado, these guys are all, you know, definitely great players in their own right. Um, and then you go to Division Two and, and you're playing against, you know, guys that have been playing extremely high levels of roller hockey, you know, their whole lives. Whether it's, you know, things like, I didn't even know what these were, you know, until I kind of got into this world, like, you know, it's called Narch and, and State Wars, you know, these guys have been playing super high level for a long time, and, you know, due to the size of the school, they're rolling out, you know, rosters that have, you know, 13 to 15 guys, all of them are above six feet, and they're massive, and, you know, just, uh, the level of play and the level of opponent is just that much more advanced, so... You know, it's kind of uh, that jump is kind of a little intimidating at first. You know, also just the actual mental aspect when, you know, you play a team like Millersville, yeah, it's, it's you know, intense, but it's Millersville. You never heard of them, they never heard of you. You go to Penn State, you drive into Happy Valley, and, you know, it's a whole other level of play, and it's, you know, a little daunting at first. You know, you kind of go through a gauntlet of Penn State, Drexel, BU, Delaware, Stony Brook, and the names are kind of intimidating at first, but, you know, you got to get over it quick or else you're going to, you know, sink. 
So apparently you guys did that. You win your first five games of the season, scoring at least five goals in each. Then in your last game in Old Bethpage, you run into, at that point, division-leading Northeastern hard, a 9-3 loss. What was going through your minds following that game? that we were, you know, a little bit gassed, um, which isn't an excuse. I mean, you know, this is the reality we have to do, and you can't, you know, sit on your laurels and expect, you know, things to just happen. But, you know, I just don't think that we were ready for, you know, how how fast that they were going to come out at us. I think, you know, the secret of this year was kind of out of the bag, and that's when teams kind of started, you know, bringing their A game almost because they knew who we were. Um, you know, it was a tough loss. I didn't think I played particularly well. Um, you know, I also do not like Northeastern very much. I'm sure they don't <laughs> like us very much. Um, so it was a little bit of a chippy game. Um, you know, afterwards, I think that we had the right mentality in the sense that, you know, losing is, you know, a reality that you have to face. But, you know, you got to have soft belly, so- strong spine, as uh, we like to say in the locker room, that, you know, you just take it. You know, you let yourself, you know, lift your wounds for a little bit, but then the next morning you're right back at it, you know, working to get better, you know, working on your game, working on yourself to just kind of keep moving forward and, you know, take that as a lesson. And I think we did. So, you know, I think uh, just as all losses are, you can take them and you can learn from them, or you can take them and you can let them, you know, drag it down. Well, you guys seem to have chosen chosen the former on that one. Two weeks later, get right back on the horse, sweeping through four games, including a revenge game against Northeastern, where you guys won 3-2 in an overtime shootout. can only imagine what that must have felt like after after such a hard loss a couple of weeks before. Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, that game itself was, you know, just an absolute, you know, it was, it was, it was a barn burner, I guess, as they say. You know, Yosef Robin, you know, calls him calls him how he sees it and that, that's what he called that one but you know it was an electric game uh these guys were you know fast strong um we were angry they were ready to just put us down and i think that you know we kind of just really showed what we were made of um and you know i remember in overtime i i didn't even touch the bench that's how like quick moving it was and you know i don't know i think maybe there were two whistles the entire overtime it was just so quick um but once we got to a shootout uh, to be completely honest, I, I knew we had it in the bag. I mean, you know, our back end is always so strong. And then we have, you know, guys with, you know, such, you know, unbelievable talent, like a guy like Jake Ratcher. He, he didn't have to get on, get in the rink. You knew you could already mark that as a check for the shootout box. Um, you know, he ended the game off. You know, absolute, you know, beauty. Thing like backhand, forehand, and five hole. Um, so I knew once we had to shoot that, I was, I was very confident. But, you know, yeah, it was a great feeling to kind of get him back. Um, you know, <clears throat> all that means, though, is that the next time we see him, you know, which will probably be in the regionals, they're going to be really gunning for us. So, you, know, you can't sit back. It doesn't really mean anything other than Italian to win calm and you keep moving. You know, it's ironic. We actually haven't even discussed what the game structure is like. What are games like? Um, so, there are three 12-minute periods. Um, sort of like Yeshiva League. Know, yeah, same thing. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's basically, you know, how you would imagine, um, you know, any roller hockey game. For those that have played in, you know, maybe hot skates or, I don't know, like there's an equivalent in Jersey, but the official rules of roller hockey, um, you know, I guess in the world, uh, you would say, is it's four on four, no offsides, no icing. Um, so, 
know, if you look up online, you know, there's actually a relatively serious, like, Team USA hockey program for roller hockey, and they go to these, like, you know, really intensive, you know, tournaments around the world. Um, so you'll get a really good sense if you kind of watch those. That's how we kind of started understanding how the game works. And, you know, the biggest transition we had was, you know, as Sheely guys, you kind of play um, a very, um, you know, like, horizontal game. You're kind of just going, sorry, um, vertical game. You're just going back and forth, you know, north south the whole time. You know, you're dumping and chasing. You're moving the, you know, you're moving it like that. When you get to, uh, you know, this game, you know, roller hockey, ice hockey, similar. It's much more, you know, circular. You're moving around. Everyone's cycling. The puck movement is totally different. There's no dump and chase. Um, you know, we had a really hard time. I remember, you know, our first loss last year when we played Shippensburg. One of the things that we, you know, really got killed on was this guy, Bobby Neely, that I mentioned before, he was just unbelievable at setting up the breakout. So we just kept on getting killed on the breakout and, you know, odd man rush after odd man rush after odd man rush. Um, so, you know, we had to really adjust to working on our breakout and working on defending their breakout. So, you know, that change is, is, is very, very stark. Um, you know, just getting everybody involved, moving the puck well, not just, you know, standing still and waiting for it. You know, the the actual movement across blue lines are, you know, the most important part of the game, whether it's the offense and waiting for breakout passes and outlets and going, or it's the defense and filling those lanes. And it's, you know, something that takes a while to get used to, but when you do get the hang of it, it's, you know, really like a beautiful game, honestly. So back to, just back to you guys now. The Max opened up the second half of the season at 9-1. and one. First place in the division, and seemingly a much easier schedule down the back end uh, than you had at the front end. But I take it you guys aren't really thinking about that, though, at this very moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, the truth is, if you do look at the schedule, um, you know, it's a bunch of the more, you know, bottom teams in the league. It's the teams that we've been for. Um, you know, we're not play, playing the so-called quote-unquote powerhouses like Northeastern and Oswego and Endicott. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we do have to play Stony Brook there, either two or three in the division and you know you never know with these teams you know they could have had guys injured they could have had guys you know not able to make it you know whatever it is um so you know you gotta really just take you know every single game you know like it's you know any opponent you know whether it's you know you're playing northeastern that's you know one of the best teams or playing a team like delaware that's like one of the more bottom teams you know you gotta make sure that you you know bring everything you have and stay mentally sharp for everybody i think that's how you kind of you know, put yourself in a corner if you kind of walk in there and expect, you know, things to happen rather than go out and grab them. So I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that we're, you know, really ready to, you know, go out there and grab everything rather than let it come to us. I think that's what makes this team special. But at the same time, it's something that you have to be very conscious of to not let happen to you, yeah. So the next games you guys will play, as you just mentioned, next Sunday in North Arlington, New Jersey. I'll provide the address in a second. For those interested in coming out and cheering the team on, uh, I'll do that before our interview is over. Uh, those games are against, as you said, Stony Brook at 8 a.m., Delaware at 10 a.m., and Penn State at 12 p.m. You already mentioned uh, what you know about many of these teams. Penn State, you already beat in the first game of the season. That was 5-3. After this, you have three games uh, in Sewell, New Jersey on February 12th, and in Old Bethpage, New York on February 19th. So a lot of New York uh, area games for the next couple of next couple of weeks before the season ends. So a lot of opportunity for, you know, friends and family, fans to sort of come out and cheer on. I think the farthest away from from anything really is Sewell, because it's southern Jersey. Yeah, 
the truth is, they have an amazing relationship with the league. Um, you know, we get along with them really well. Uh, they like us, we like them. And they've been accommodating. You know, we don't you know, have to really drive out too far anymore. Uh, you know, in the beginning of the season, you didn't have to go out, you know, a little bit, you know, out of our way and some long road trips. But, you know, coming up, we're actually, you know, pretty close. And, you know, that's really nice because, um, you know, it's cool for, you know, your family, your dads in particular, to uh, see you line up against, you know, a school that has, you know, such recognizable logos on their sweaters, whether it's a Villanova or Penn State or, you know, BU or Northeastern. So, I, you know, especially, you know, you kind of grew up and, you know, obviously all our parents are our biggest fans. You know, it's one thing to see, you know, the excitement and, and you know, the intensity of, you know, lining up against after, you know, or TBC. Um, but it's a whole other ball game when, you know, your parents kind of get to see you lining up against these schools that you see on TV all the time. So, you know, it's, it's really, I know it's exciting for me. I know it's exciting for my family and my parents and, you know, my siblings. Um, but, you know, it's something that you'll never forget and it's unbelievable for everybody involved. So, uh, just repeat one more time for us afterwards. Uh, like, after the season. Uh, do you are there any dates for the champ for the tournaments that happen afterwards the the divisional the regional and uh, so what do you guys need to do again if you want to get an invitation to the big dance as they call it? Yeah, uh, I think that you know it's online it's on the website obviously. Um, I think the guys on the team actually make it a habit to not check the website too much. Uh, you know, we really try to make sure that no one's looking up their stats, no one's looking up their you know, uh, what they got in points and goals and assists and, you know, stuff like that. And we're not looking too far ahead. So I think it's on the website. I believe it's, you know, end of February, early March for both of those kind of things, the regionals and then the nationals. Um, so we kind of stay away from the website. Uh, uh, so so you, wouldn't en- you wouldn't enjoy me being on the website now, taking a look and just mentioning stats. So I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'll let people look, look, on, look for the, the, uh, the website themselves. For those that do want to go on, you can go on to ecrha.net. Go to the Shiva University team profile. Click on player stats. You can see all the stats from this past year, as well as the schedules and results, the rosters, and all the upcoming schedule as well, because the players themselves won't do it for for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know, listen, maybe you have some guys checking up late at night on their phones and no one's looking, but, you know, I know that, you know, Jesse Gordon actually kind of set that precedent, you know, early last year that, you know, guys don't talk about their goals, they don't talk about their assists, um, and I think that's actually pretty important. I think it makes that, you know, especially when we do have, you know, bigger leads, um, it makes us continue to play, you know, the proper way. And, you know, really play as a unit as teams rather than, uh, you know, trying to grab some goals, drag some points, you know, and, and, you know, up their status in the league, you know, especially because they do on the website have, you know, a very advanced system in terms of, you know, leading scores, leading assists, leading points, leading, you know, minutes, all that stuff. So, you know, we really make sure to just, you know, keep it to ourselves. But, you know, we are looking forward to playing the making it to the regional tournament. You know, we're looking forward to trying to win it. You know, to get an automatic bid, um, you know, that's the goal. Um, you know, but if we don't, we're hoping to make enough of a dent to get a bid for the national championship before Myers, Florida, so... Well, with any luck, we'll see the Max having nothing but future success. The address for the Inline Skating Club of America Arena for next week's games is 170 Schuyler Avenue in North Arlington, New Jersey. About a 30-minute drive from the city, not far from the Meadowlands. I'll be there. Hopefully, we can get a whole crowd to come out and support the team. Uh, You can find out more, like I said, uh, uh, from their 
for their close division, the ECRHA at ecrha.net. Like I said, standing statistics schedules. So, any any other site that you want to direct people to, or is there anything else that people can go to to look at? Obviously, uh, as you said, maybe a, a piece in the New York Times coming up about you guys. Anything else that that people should note? Um. You know, I think for now, uh, you can find us on the YU. Uh, I think you find us on the, the YU Athletics page. Um, we should be there. Um, you know, the league has different portals, to. You know, you can see all the divisions, all the teams. Um, so that's pretty cool. You can see, you know, who we're hopefully going to play against the national tournament if we make it there, um, who we're playing against now. Um, yeah, keep that up. Uh, there's supposed to be a New York Times article coming out soon. Uh, hopefully I don't jinx it by talking about it now, but, you know, I have been talking Corey Kilgan, and he's an unbelievable writer who wrote about, you know, Shibley like Florhockey a couple weeks ago, um, so hopefully that will really, you know, up our presence and, you know, help us, you know, raise the proper amount of funds to continue the team going forward in a healthy fashion and, uh, you know, kind of just, you know, spread our message. And I know for myself personally, um, and this is a sentiment that brings true to the whole team, that, you know, as much as we love winning and competing, um, you know, our main thing is we just you know, want to bring as much pride to, you know, YU as we can, and more importantly, like, you know, we want to bring pride to the community. I mean, I know that if I was, you know, a kid, whether I was in, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th, 8th, or high school, and, you know, I saw, you know, these kids that played on the same teams as me, went to Camp David, played Beitler, you know, played hot skates, you know, normal kids that were just like me, you know, going on and, and you know, beating these schools with, you know, thousands upon thousands of kids in the school, um, you know, I would love to see that. And I think that it's important, you know, for us to just have our message sent that, you know, you can do it. And, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're a kid from the Five Towns or Queens or Teaneck, you know, if you put in the work, they're just as good as any guy from Boston, any, anybody from Maine or, you know, Indiana or Wisconsin, you know, you can compete with anybody. And I think that's really the message that I know I want to push out and I know the team does as well. So I think that's what's really important and something that, you know, excites me very greatly. And that's, you know, really the source of pride that we get to push that message forward that, you know, just because you went to DRS and not, you know, same areas, you know, you can play hockey just as good as anybody else. Uh, okay, so just just before we before we go, just want to get your take. I, I'm Again, with the article. What were your thoughts on the article? We've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks on the show about the fallout, about some of the reactions, some of the responses. What, what's your take on it? What do you, as a former Yeshiva League hockey player, how did you feel about about the article in its entirety? Um, I thought it was really well done. Um, you know, again, like I said, I know Corey, you know, pretty well now. We've been, you know, in talks for, you know, a couple months. Um, you know, his writing obviously speaks for himself. He's a great writer. Um, He's a really nice guy. Uh, I thought that it, you know, pretty much covered it well. Uh, you know, I was pretty impressed that, you know, how uh, how we covered, you know, the bases, you know, so well. Uh, and I think that, you know, for all those kids that are in the pictures, I think that's, you know, the coolest thing in the world to kind of have, you know, your picture in the New York Times. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I think that it's important, honestly. I think it's it's important because, like I, like I said, I think there really is that, you know, almost like an inferiority complex, you know, for a lot of, uh, you know, Jewish athletes out there that, you know, you know, whether it's, you know, we're not as good or we're not as serious or whatever, I think it's, you know, really a cool, you know, you know, message of affirmation almost um, to uh, to send out to everybody there. And I thought it was really well done. Uh, I was happy that there wasn't uh, any, you know, left-leaning bias that 
the times yeah. have sometimes, you know, especially against Israel. And wouldn't have been so happy about that, but you know, they kind of, you know, were, were you know nice and put us in a good light, and I thought that uh, was really well done. Well, thank you, Amir, again. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your input to that to that article. It really did add a, a nice depth to it. And actually, your, the what, what he quoted you on really did ring true. Again, for those of you that missed the article, you can go back to the New York Times article uh, about floor hockey from a couple of weeks ago. Read it and take the same pride that Amir has. And hopefully that pride will extend to the YU roller hockey team. Send my best to the team. Good luck to the rest of the way. We look forward to keeping tabs on the team the rest of the season. Once again, you're listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, taking you through the week in the Yeshiva League. We're sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Once again, that was Amir Gavrin, captain of the YU Max Roller Hockey Team, senior at Yeshiva University. Just a couple of notes for things that we mentioned during the interview. We mentioned how the rosters are made up mostly of kids that have gone through the very same leagues that you guys have. Going down the list, there are a lot of players that have gone through some of the, you know, a lot of the same schools. As he said, uh, a lot of DRS. Um, a couple of other schools very highly represented. TABC has a whole continuum. And just a couple of others uh, that have gone through Yeshiva League school once again. Uh, over the next week, as I said, on the uh, in the interview, if you want to tune into these teams' games, or if you want to actually go out and support these teams, the address for it, they're playing at the Inline Skating Club of America next Sunday, 170 Schuyler Avenue, North Arlington, New Jersey. Very short drive from the city. I'm going to be there, and I really hope that you guys will turn out. I think that after listening to that interview, that they they definitely do deserve some recognition, and I really hope we can put together a contingency to go out there and support them. Well, next week, we'll return back to our regular format. We will uh, uh, give a recap of the last three weeks of games and uh, get you up to date with what's going to happen as we close out the regular season uh, two weeks following that on our road towards the playoffs. Again, thank you, Amir, for uh, for uh, taking uh, the time uh, to talk to me. Again, known him for a very long time, and if this is in any way possible for me to give back to uh, to to those guys, then I'm very happy to give them a little more publicity in the act. If you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the Court Report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, JM in the AM with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20, the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the like tab. Let's get that number up. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com